spoken, heard by the human ear. It can't be uttered. Verse 27, He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, now I want to ask you, who is it that is making intercession with the groanings that cannot be uttered? Who is it? Is it us? Is it, a, is it us? Or look at the text. So who is it? Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself, the Spirit himself, maketh intercession for us, all believers, right? With groanings which cannot be uttered. That's important for us to understand because the Spirit makes intercession for us, right, with all our infirmities. And because he's making intercession for us, as we go through sufferings, as we know not how we ought to pray about something, as we just go through life, right, still struggling, right, until we be clothed from on high. He knows, and he that searcheth the hearts, God, and there he's specifically thinking God the Father, right? We know you can go back in Scripture, who knows the heart? Who searches the heart? God, right? No, but as the mind of the Spirit, you know what I'm saying? You said it, it should always be a large S, right? Because he make intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So you're just, you just have perfect, right? You have perfect divine intercession and divine communication in the Godhead. Because God the Spirit is interceding with God the Father. He's speaking about it. He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. Just as go to Hebrews, who, who, whoever liveth and daily intercedes for us? Christ. So how assured are we, down in 28, that all things will work together for good, and you, you go on that good when you go it all in, what is he talking about at the end of verse 30? Our glorification. Everything that we're going through, the good that he's talking about there, is ultimately the will of God, the purpose of God in saving us, in saving a people unto himself, and displaying his glory in the mercy he's shown upon us, is that we eventually be conformed into the image of his Son, and that we'll be glorified and be with him forever. He is bringing that about. And how sure is it because God the Holy Spirit himself and Christ intercedes on our behalf? So it, I say that to say this, when it, it's so amazing to me when people want to bring up those arguments, well, you know, you can lose your salvation because, yeah, the devil can't take it from you, but you can decide to leave. No, he knows we're weak. We're infirm. We have infirmities. No, Christ died for us. He promises when we put our faith and trust in him and his finished work, we have eternal life. He'll raise us up on that last day, right? When we go to the golden chain of redemption down here into that verse 28, right? All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And then we go through that, right? And we've done this before, but this is so vitally important because you can see how it goes in sovereignty and the capstone of that sovereignty for the believer is our absolute security 
in the finished work of Christ. Because we are sealed with his Holy Spirit, that's called in Ephesians, until the redemption of the purchased possession, us, right? But, right, he foreknew us, he did predestinate us to be conformed to the image of his Son. Verse 30, moreover, beyond that, those he did predestinate, them he also called, whom he called, so everyone he, pre, everyone he foreknew he called. Everyone he called he predestinated. Everyone he predestinated, right, he justified. And everyone he justified, and if you notice that, and then in verse 30, he also glorified. Paul is so absolutely sure. Remember, this is through the Holy Spirit, will be glorified. So those that disagree with this and say that it's open and it's your own choice, have to come to terms with something that if if it just means foreknew, if that just means he looked down there in his time and saw who would believe, no, he says every single person he foreknew, right? He knows everything. It can't mean that. He knows everyone anyway. Of course he knows everything. We look at the, the sovereignty of God, right? He declares the end from the beginning. Why? Because he's in absolute control of it. He decreed it in the first place. Before the foundation of the world, right, he chose us to be in him. Every single person who's in, who comes, who's in, who has been in Christ, who is in Christ, and will come to Christ. He already determined from the foundation of the world. Why can he declare from ancient times things yet not yet known, not things not yet done? It's because he's in absolute control. It's all on his sovereign decree, all on his sovereign decree and purpose. So since everyone predestinated will be conformed to the image of his son, moreover, all of those he calls and all that are called are justified, well, that either means just those that he chooses and purposes are everybody. No, You know, we, we talk about that a lot, but what does it go? It, it means up in verse 28, which is the lynching onto that, right? We know that all things work together for good, right? All things work together for good for, to those who are foreknown, predestinated to be conformed to the nature of his son and called and justified and will be glorified to them that love God. And we know we love God because he first loved us, amen? And he, and he changed our hearts. He came upon us, he changed our hearts, he opened up our eyes, he revealed his son to us, amen? And we believed, we're saved, right? But there's a thing about it, this only applies to those that love God. The foreknown, the predestinated, are those that love God. And we love God because he first loved us. Just as an I apply to everybody. But that should be, that's just such absolute security. That's just us absolute security if we understand, right, go back to verse 16, actually verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, our Father, Father the Spirit itself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. 
if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And we get into that, but when you look over those sufferings and you go to First Peter, such a, a great thing, we won't go there. I, you know, I've, I've mentioned it a few times. We've gone over there several weeks in that. But a, a big part of that suffering is also sometimes we may suffer for his name. Some of that suffering, suffering, we, we go on through, right? In, in all things, because we're living for him now, right? Now we got to deal with, right, the evil against us, spiritual forces, right? We got to deal with our flesh, right? And trying to resist it. And fighting against it. So go ahead, Dean. I was just going to say with what you said, you know, with what you were going through there, verse 29, verse 30, you know, at times it says that, that after we are saved, then we are predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. But if you look at the order of the verses, predestination precedes justification. Mm-hmm. So that's important when you look at that order. But yeah. Yeah. And if that's the case, then everybody's going to be glorified. Yeah. And if that's the case, then everybody's going to be glorified. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 You know, it goes on, we've we got to remember this, that when he's, when he's talking about these things, the reason it's there is, you know, glory be to God, praise his mighty name, to give such great comfort to his people. How much more secure can we be than to realize, or we're told, that God the Son himself, Came to earth as a man. God the Son himself. Let himself be put up on that cross. God the Son himself. Let himself be crushed by the Father. To save us. So he display his glory because he is so holy. Sin cannot abide in his presence. And the sin had to be atoned. It has been atoned for in Christ. But ye must believe. But those of us that have come to faith and are believing, right, and continually believe, that's a continual thing. But it was a gift. It was from God start to finish. And not only that, right, we have Christ who ever liveth making intercession for us. We have here, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us making intercession for us. Right? That all things work together, all things we experience, all things we go through. Right? And and that's thing, the great thing about sovereignty is that when it comes down to right, there's a purpose for everything, whatever we go through. Let us not try to fall into that trap where even Joel, when you read through that, if we have enough time to go there in a few minutes, but he started quite he ended up, you know, like he wanted he demanded. Smashes of God. That's where we got in there. And we don't under, we don't know why God brought Job through those things, right? It can be various things. It can be things. It could be chastisement. I'm jumping around, but I hope we better understand this, right? 
we many times don't know and will not know, God will not reveal to us why certain things happen. You know, it doesn't to me anyway. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone on that. But we see so many examples. We see the things that happened to Joseph. I'm sure he didn't know, but he eventually he came, he came to realize, nope, God, God had all those things. God's plan was to place him there because eventually he would bring the whole nation of Israel there, right? We see Job understood he understood at least much that every the things that started to happen to him, he understood. They, they, were, they were of God. His mistake was demanding an answer. Which he got, you know, which he got chastised for. It could be when we talk about chastisement in Hebrews, when it talks about chastisement and don't grow weary of it. That chastisement, when you look up that word, a lot of times it might we might think that, well, that's when we do wrong. You know, that's maybe it's because of sin. Well, it could be. It means discipline. It just simply means discipline. No difference because that's why he brings in there the chastisement like you human fathers, right, in the flesh. You chastise your children. Just the same thing as you, Dean, and you, Mark, right, when, when you chastise. But discipline, bring up. It means all those things. You know, it means discipline when they do wrong, but also mean teaching them, right, bringing them up in the things of God. Right? Well, he sometimes has to, right, and a lot of times has to get rid of a lot of that dross in our lives. You know, it can be a, a lot of things, and we don't, we don't have to know why. So many books are out there wanting, demanding this thing, well, what about why? And it's, it's, it's okay, in a sense, if, if you humbly come like, I don't understand God. Why is this happening? I've done that. Rarely receive an answer. Never had one that I hear or heard. But sometimes I come away thinking, I think I understand. But the main thing is that I just be content with knowing that first I use it as a time, just we are to constantly examine ourselves, right? And we find it's something he's teaching us. We'll learn something. We'll grow. Sometimes it could be maybe we're doing something we're not supposed to do. We're not doing something we should be doing. Whatever. Trust me, God has a reason for everything that goes on in the believer's life. And even when we stumble, when we make mistakes, when we make that wrong move, God even uses that. And he's going, I can't be under, he, everything, right? Because all things work together for good. All. That does mean all. He'll eventually. You know, I like that. I'm not alone on this. I just wanted to make sure so I didn't come out that I understood it right. But even, even presently in that, you know, I just looked at a, a sermon John MacArthur gave years ago on that. And you're on that. Even our sin, not that God, you know, meant us going for sin, right? He gives us certain liberty in that. But even the sin we commit eventually is right going to be used, what, in his children to bring them, right, to, to better discipline, to better understanding, better humiliation, whatever it be. He uses everything that happens. And what's so good about this is when we follow this along, right, and understand that, that golden chain of redemption, but that all things work together for good because of all Christ has done for us, right? Because the Holy Spirit himself is making an intercession for us, right? Because God has, from the beginning, right, determined he's going to conform all those he has foreknown and predestined and called and justified. He's going to glorify. He's gonna, he, he has promised he's going to conform us all to the image of Christ, 
in the end, that, that final image will be right when we're clothed on high. And he has promised us that. Not that he's going to give it his best try, but that he will. And because of all that, drop down to verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He's not saying, of course, we have a lot against us, our own flesh, the world, right? Uh, you know, spiritual wickedness in high places. We have a lot of things against us. What, it, what he's talking about, is there anything, right, that can come against us that's going to thwart God's purpose? And that answer is no. What's his purpose? That we ultimately be glorified. Fully conformed to the image of his son. Verse 32. He that's, right, for if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And what is he talking about that? That's an inheritance that he talked about back in verse, in verse 15, in verse 17, right? The adoption, the inheritance, we're joint heirs with Christ. He'll freely, he's freely given us all things. And, you know, when, when you read through there, you know, you know, whatever it is, I just, well, let's, let's go on to verse 33. Who shall oil anything to the charge of God's elect? It means, you know, somebody could, but nothing that, nothing that'll, you know, sustain, nothing that's true, nothing that's going to overthrow God's, you know, God's will. It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? Not God. And that's who we're dealing with. We're his children now. It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And you know, even as he dealt with us in Hebrews, where he daily liveth, they were told right in the same, right in the same chapter, Right here in chapter 9, no, in, in chapter 8 later on, we see that back in 26 and 27, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And here we're told that Christ is interceding for us. So as I said before, I say again, we have God who purposed, right, the triune Godhead that purposed, you know, before the foundation of the world that he would bring all those that he has chosen, all those that he foreknew to conform to the image of his son, and the son laid down his life and took our place, how much, how much more security can we have? We can't. We are so secure. There is nothing we can do. We did do nothing to earn it. We did nothing for salvation, and we can't lose it. We can't lose it because we're also flesh. We're also those creatures talked about. We have infirmities. But the Spirit itself intercedes for us with groans that can't be uttered. Christ the Son intercedes for us. Oh, that's about that because we can so easily be tripped up. <laughs> we, can, we can, right? But we, we can be persuaded. We can be persuaded that nothing, including ourselves, goes this, drop down to, Verse 39, verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. He was just kind of throwing it in there. You know, that doesn't mean, can you find something else? 
It's just a plethora of things. You name it. Nothing. And that includes ourselves. Because I, I'm a creature. I'm a created being. Right? We all are. Shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? If we could lose our salvation, if we could walk away from our salvation, we would. Because if unless God, by his mercy and grace and love and purpose and design, opened our eyes in the first place and poured his grace upon us, we'd still be in rebellion. So, you know, we, ha we have that. I have to be, I'm, I'm going to, we're running out of time here. But I I just want to close it to this, and then and then if uh, anyone has any comments or questions, but I just want to go over to Romans nine. In verse sixteen, so then it is not of him that willeth. It's not that we willed to be with God, right? Nor of him that runneth, our running, our work, our effort, any effort on our part. It's not of our will. It's not of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Right? God showed us mercy from beginning to the absolute end. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's given us his Holy Spirit. Christ himself is sitting on the right hand of God upon the throne, interceding for us, right? We have nothing to fear. And I, you know, I want to close with that again. I, I've said it several times already. But for us believers, those of us that have sincerely believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's the Son of God, and trusted that his work is finished, that his work on the cross fully satisfy God's justice, and we're trusting in him and him alone, we are safe and we are secure forever. And, you know, I think that's the greatest thing we can walk away with understanding about the ultimate, about the sovereignty of God, that whatever comes our way, there's a purpose for it, and let us just rest and trust, as he says in First Peter, right? Rest, trust in our faithful creator. Because he is faithful. Because all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. Does anyone have any comments or questions? Mike. Yep. Yep. You know, and and once again, I'll just say one last time: when we read that Romans eight, and you know, pay real close attention to. Really, it's Romans 8, but especially when he's talking that the Spirit intercedes on our behalf with groans which cannot be uttered. 
It's, a, it's divine, divine communication within the Godhead. And we don't know. As I said before, it's not speaking in tongues, right? It's the Spirit communicating, right? The Spirit communicating with the Father, right? the Godhead, triune Godhead, right? And by that we know, even though all our infirmities, the weakness of our flesh, the weakness of our understanding, that encompasses all of that. We can rest and secure that we're with him forever. He's with us forever. And we're, you know, safe and secure. Amen? Okay. Uh, with that, Dean, would you please close us? Amen.